episode three of the Exploring Scripture podcast. I'm Dwayne McCreary, your host, and I'm being joined once again by Mike Livingston. Mike and I both work at Lifeway on the Explore the Bible team, and we've read all kinds of letters and emails, which is what led us to putting together this podcast to begin with. And our goal is to discuss the principles for rightly understanding the Bible, even, even knowing that there's a variety of literary genres found in the Bible. We want to help you be a better student of the Bible, just as we're improving as a student as well. Now, in this episode, we're going to be looking at Bible study tools. Now, most of us, we go in our garage or storage room, we're going to have some basic tools in our toolbox, and we're going to have some specialized tools. We may have started with a hammer, a couple of screwdrivers, some wrenches, and then that's grown over time. Some of us may even have multiple hammers for different purposes. We may have a framing hammer, a sledgehammer a brick hammer, a rubber mallet, uh, maybe a tack hammer, all the list could go on. But no matter what, we still have that basic hammer that's our go-to hammer for most of our work. And so we want to think about some of those go-to tools, those that we need to have in our arsenal uh, to do Bible study. So Mike, what are some of the general tools that we need to have uh, and know how to use as well to do Bible study? Yeah, I love tools. You're talking about tools in a garage. I, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm a lover of tools of all kinds, uh, including Bible study tools. Um, <clears throat> I like uh, what Richard Baxter said in the 17th century. He was a Puritan pastor, and I think I, I want to start with, with what he said. Um, it's important for us. He said, make careful choice of the books that you read. Let the Holy Scriptures ever have preeminence. And next to them, the solid, lively, heavenly treatises which best expound and apply the scriptures. But he say, he goes on to say, take heed of the poison of the writings of false teachers which would corrupt your understandings. So um, Baxter, a Puritan preacher, said uh, two things there important for us in this conversation. One is the priority of scripture. So as we talk about tools, we, we want to we just want to remind ourselves that um, tool, tools are helpful, uh, but scripture always takes priority. Um, the, the tools just help us understand what the scripture is saying. Uh, so that's the first thing. And then he talks about having discernment in which other, in which resources to use in, in, in helping, you know, in finding, helping us find the meaning of the scripture. So those, those two things I think are an important place uh, for us to start and be reminded of those things. Now, in talking about tools, um, <clears throat> I think that if I were to choose only one reference tool, and 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 we might we might recommend a lot of different kinds of tools here. I don't think that you got you've got to have all these tools, you know. You, you know. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but if I were if I were to choose to, if I could only have one, other other than my Bible, um, <clears throat> I, it, it would be a study Bible. Um, so I guess it'd be other than my Bible, another Bible. I guess is what I'm saying. But I would I would definitely choose a study Bible. I, I, those there's a really helpful. And you've got so many different features in a study Bible. That's what sets them apart from the Bible you you might carry with you. Yeah, Just yeah. I don't, text in it, right? I, I don't um, I don't carry a study Bible with me. I'm I'm still old school enough where when I go to church or you know teach my class, I carry an actual paper. Bible, not you know, you know, Bible with pages in it, not yeah. on on my screen. 
No, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying I'm old school. Um, but I, don't, I wouldn't carry around my study Bible just because it's it's really it's kind of big and, and heavy. But because there's a lot of stuff in it. I mean, you got your study notes, you've got cross references, you got you know maps and charts and word studies and introductions and overviews of every book of the Bible. And maybe there's timelines and there's articles. You've got all these things that are helpful. And there's so many choices of study Bibles. And, and so it depends, first of all, it depends on your translation of choice. Because uh, you can get, you know, you've got your King James study Bible, you've got your NIV study Bible, you've got your ESV study Bible, you've got your CSB study Bible, you've got an NASB study Bible, just, you know, just about every tra major translation, there's a study Bible. But then there's some, there's some Bible, study Bibles that will reflect the teachings or the influence of a, maybe just one particular preacher, or one particular Bible teacher, like there's a Spurgeon study Bible, and it just, it, it just reflects the teachings and preachings of, of Spurgeon, or the Tony Evans study Bible. I enjoy looking at that sometimes. Uh, and then there are others, you know, you got the David Jeremiah or the John MacArthur or whoever, you know, you've got these, these study Charles Bibles. Stanley has Charles a Stanley. Yeah, I know I was, I'd leave out somebody, but yeah, you've got these <laughs> that really just reflect that one person's teachings, maybe. And then in other study Bibles, the notes will re, uh, represent the contributions of, of a lot of different contributors and maybe a, a, just a broad consensus of evangelical scholars. And that would be true of the CSB study Bible or the KJV study Bible or in, in those. Then there are other study Bibles that would, would reflect a certain theological perspective. You know, the Reformation study Bible would be an example of that. Uh, or a certain demographic. You got a women's study Bible. I assume there's a men's study Bible. There's teen student study Bibles. I mean, I would recommend just a good all-purpose study Bible, you know, like the CSB or the KJV, NIV, you know, ESV study Bible is just a good all-round, all-purpose study Bible, though there are other niche Bible uh, study Bibles that, that could have a place in your library. Um, I've, I've been using the Holy Land Illustrated study Bible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's been helpful. That's a that's a I think a relatively new one. There's a there's mm -hmm. a similar one. Art the archaeological study Bible. Uh -huh. there's, a, there's a life application study Bible that sometimes I will I will look at that or mm -hmm. the, the apologetics study Bible. There's a ESV systematic theology study Bible. There's a Hebrew Greek keyword study Bible. I mean, just the list goes on and on. Um, I think so. So you got a lot of good choices, and it's a very helpful tool. Uh, the one danger, if there's a danger, it, it would be of letting those notes take priority over the text of the scripture. Going back to kind of what Baxter said when it first started, the scripture is inspired, the notes are not. Okay, so, I mean, I think that go, should go without saying, but the scripture is inspired, the notes, they're not inspired. All right, so, you know, let, let the scripture take priority. Uh, don't use the notes as a crutch, a crutch instead of reading and wrestling with the text itself. But just use those notes as just a tool to help you. It's a starting place for you to think through what that passage means. In that yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, they're helpful. They're, they're, they are helpful notes. I use a study Bible regularly, weekly. Um, Other tools would we use there? I, a Bible dictionary would be one that, that I would recommend. A good Bible dictionary is going to include articles on 
people and places and events and objects and major themes and doctrines and it'll give you outlines of the books of the Bible and charts and illustrations and reconstructions of biblical places and archaeological information and timelines. I mean, you name it. There's a lot of a lot of stuff in a good Bible dictionary, like the Holman uh, the Holman Illustrated Bible Dictionary, you know, and, and there are a lot of there are a lot of good Bible dictionaries. Um, <clears throat> a lot of people find a concordance to be helpful. Uh, you might have a, an abbreviated concordance in the back of your Bible, maybe, but there are uh, there there are concordances that are um, exhaustive concordances that will contain all the words of the Bible and and will connect. They will even connect each word to the Hebrew or Greek word from which it's translated using the Strong's you know numbering system. That's strong, strong fascinates me because he did that work before we had computers. So that was done by hand. Yes. I can't imagine. Yeah. Can't imagine doing that work. But yeah. he, him and a team did it. Yeah. And I should mention that concordances are translation specific. Mm. So Strong's is, is based on the King James, but you can also get a concordance for other translations. You could get a in a you know New American Standard concordance or whatever your preferred uh, translation for study is. You you can probably you can possibly find a concordance in that translation. Yeah. Um, and so a concordance is a helpful tool when you're doing a word study, um, uh, or you're or maybe you're trying to find a, a Bible verse and you can't remember you can't remember where that's found. You you remember. You kind of remember what it says, but you can't remember where it's found. Often the concordance will help you find that verse you're, you're looking for. And it can also help you with the meanings of Greek or Hebrew words, like, like we said. Uh, so if you want to understand how the word love is used in the Bible, you look up the word love in a concordance and you will see every place in the Bible that word, the word love is used. In, in so the, that, that makes it possible then for us to compare how it's used by one author versus another author doesn't it yeah and you will find also mentioning the you know the strong's concordance so you'll also you'll find not only where that word love is used in in the bible but uh, you'll find a reference number next to the word that's the reference number used in the strong's concordance as so you can look up that reference number in the hebrew greek dictionaries in the back of that concordance and find the hebrew or greek word that's being used and a brief definition of that Hebrew or Greek word or other English words that translate this, that same Greek or Hebrew word. Just a note about that though, it's important to remember that context will always determine the, how um, the, it determine the meaning of a word. A, a word can mean more than one thing and, and it can mean different things and context determines that. So we have to be careful in just saying, well, you know, that, that word means whatever you know you read in the, the dictionary or the concordance it well that's what the word means well there's maybe a nuance of meaning and what in the you know and the, the context will will determine and that's where a, a greek or hebrew lexicon would come in handy yeah if you're doing that work so we've yeah. got study bible bible dictionary concordance commentaries are one of my favorite oh. i've got um got shelves and shelves of commentaries um surrounding me right now in my in my study uh, so and commentaries are helpful in especially in understanding historical 
context or cultural or or word studies you know sometimes a, a commentary can can be really helpful in in these things and there's there's all kinds of commentaries too and and really you've got a, a couple you know extremes you got a couple extremes here there are some commentaries that are just real scholarly and technical and, and they may be written you know or based on the hebrew or the greek and, and and you'd have to know hebrew or greek to even you know benefit a whole lot from them so i mean that's one end of this of the spectrum you know and those tend to go word by word phrase by phrase yeah. too yeah yeah and then on the, the other the opposite extreme of that is just a devotional commentary it's just more of devotional thoughts on 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 the passages you know going through a book and just giving devotional thoughts and so that would be the other extreme so you know i would i would look for something in the middle of those two extremes um the holman commentaries there's a whole series holman old testament commentaries holman new testament commentaries which by the way are really good for teachers um, because they'll even give you, uh, you know, they'll give it, give you some illustrations even and application points and all of that. There's study questions in there too. And study question. Yeah. There's yeah. a whole lot, you know, good, good stuff in, in the Holman. Um, <clears throat> the, the new American commentary, um, Tyndall commentaries are pretty good. Um, the, the NIV application commentary, I, I like pretty well. Um, so there's just a lot of, you know, a lot of choices there. And some of those are cultural. There is a, mm -hmm. a commentary set that is that is um, focused specifically on African understanding. Mm -hmm. and, and, yeah, that. And, and that just reminds me, I think there's also a study Bible. Uh, yeah, there is. African um, study Bible. I can't remember that. And, and we, you'd mentioned this in our very first episode about how the Bible, is, you know, our interpretation is cross-cultural. Yeah. Having a Bible that's what your culture is versus another culture and comparing the two understandings helps you deal with that cross-cultural element. Yeah. Now I know how expensive books can be. Uh, so, you know, we're not saying you need to go out and buy all these things, but the, you know, there are, there are some websites or apps uh, <clears throat> in which you can find all of this, all of this on, on that app or website and uh, Logos. Logos would be, you know, a great place to go you can find, you know, the commentaries and, and, and dictionaries and just whatever, you know, you can find just a wealth of information on Logos or Blue Letter Bible or, you know, there are others. Uh, you may have some, you know, one that you, you've already found. But those can be helpful and a little, a little easier to build up a library that way than to actually go, you know, you know buying a book, an actual book to put on your, your shelf. Although I'm still old school, you know, I'm, I am learning, I'm trying, I'm learning how to go the digital route and read books digitally. Now, you know, what's funny, I find myself, if I'm doing Bible study and I want to remember it, yeah. I will highlight it and I'll still print it and yeah. read it on paper if I want to remember it. Yeah, I still prefer an actual, actual book rather than just downloading it uh, to my yeah. Kindle or iPad. But I'm, I'm, I'm getting there. You know, I'm, I've got a collection of books on my Kindle now. So yeah. I'm coming around. Now, I'm not, that's just you didn't mention Bible Atlas. Would Bible Atlas be something you would put on your list yeah. too? Yeah, an atlas. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, you know, one of the things that, that I would go ahead and say at this point, 
you know, our sponsor for this podcast is Lifeways Explore the Bible Resources. And some of the tools that you've mentioned are included in the resources that are provided. There's a commentary that's written on a scholarly level in the leader guide. There's commentary as well that's uh, it's going to have some some explanation about words and those type of things. Same thing for the personal study guide and the daily discipleship guide that are part of Explore the Bible. You can find out more about Explore the Bible by visiting goexplorethebible.com. But those resources that you find there are based on and contain some of the elements that we've talked about here. But there are also activities that would require you to have, requires a strong word. They would anticipate you having like the Bible dictionary or concordance or something like that to do some of those activities. We mentioned this kind of, but that's translations. Mm -hmm. Is there a preferred translation we should consider or is there, you know, how do we deal with that issue? Because you mentioned the NIV study Bible or CSB study Bible. Or, I mean, you just keep going down ESV study Bible. Yeah. Almost every translation has a study Bible. Yeah. Is there one translation that we need to really focus on more than another? Well, there are a lot of good, reliable translations. That's my assumption, is that there, there are a lot of, there are different ones. They're, they're good, they're reliable. Now, most of us probably have a preferred translation. You know, the Bible we carry with us, the Bible we memorize from, you know, and, and many feel very strongly about their preferred translation. They feel strongly about it. And we're not trying to change anybody's opinion, you know, about you know, your translation. But I, I do, you know, I would make the point that there is value in comparing. There's value in comparing. We're not saying you need to give up your translation and use a different one. I would never say that. I'm saying, hey, you know what? It's beneficial to look at more than one when you're studying a passage. You know, I, you mentioned Explore the Bible. You know, we're we're happy to offer Explore the Bible and um, it's in the person the personal study guide is is in four different translations you can get the kjv csb esv niv so i mean even you know even the explore the bible study guide we, we make it available in four different translations because people have you know a preference and opinions um a question that gets asked sometimes is why why so many translations and is one better than another so, you know, it's, it's important to remember that the Bible was not originally written in English. I mean, we know this, but let's just remind ourselves of that. But the Bible was not written in English. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew, a few passages in Aramaic, the New Testament in exclusive, exclusively in Greek. So for us to read the Bible in English, it has to be translated. So we're reading a translation, no matter which translation you version you have, I mean, we're, we're all reading a translation. And translation is not a simple process. If you, if you have ever studied a language or if you speak another language and I speak a little bit of another language, just not a lot, but enough to get in trouble, um, you know that <laughs> translation is, is difficult and complex. In translating any language to another, there are choices that that had to be made because words can have different meanings or or a word in one language can have you know a multi, you know different meanings in another language i mean you, it can mean more than one thing is what i'm trying to say one word in english can mean you know two or three different things in, a, in another language 
And so that's one of the factors that would contribute to all the different Bible translations. That would just be one, because there are different ways to, to, to translate Greek words and Hebrew words. But another factor, another reason we have so many translations is that languages change. Different versions reflect different languages in the English language. Obviously, English has changed a great deal since the King James was published. There, there are some words in the King James that, that really are not, not a part of our language anymore. We don't use those um, you know, words anymore. Or maybe they have a totally different meaning than they did in the 1600s. The word let is an example in the King James, the word let. Uh, in Romans 1.13, I would, I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes, oftentimes I purposed to come to you, uh, but was let hitherto. I wanted to come to you, but I was let hitherto. Actually, what he's saying is he was prevented. But doesn't that sound the opposite? The opposite meaning from let actually means prevent. It seems like that's an opposite word. But we that, wouldn't use it that way in our language, in our, yeah. any of our conversation. So, so my point is simply that, you know, language changes. Um, and there are words that don't mean the same thing that they meant, you know, then or even, you know, in, in our lifetimes, you know, words can change meanings. And it's interesting, um, you know, that even in, in the King James published in 1611, the King James, even though today, you know, in our in our lifetime, it can sound that the, the English sounds, um, you know, very formal. It's a very formal English. Uh, but when when it was published, the desire was to put the Bible into the language of the people. They wanted to make it accessible, and put the Bible into the language of the people. And, and the, the, the translators of the King James recognized that, that that was a part, that's what they were doing. They were putting the Bible into the language of the people, the language that the people spoke. And it's also interesting that the preface to the 1611 King James <clears throat> said, it, it quoted, they quoted Augustine in the preface to the 1611 uh, version who said, Augustine said, a variety of translations is profitable for the finding out of the sense of the scriptures. That's what, that's what Augustine said, and that's in the preface of, of the 1611 King, King James. So they, they expected more translations to follow and for them to maybe be comparable or- it, uh, Apparently so. I don't think they viewed theirs as the end all. Yeah, correct. But, and, and, and when they translated, that was just, that was the spoken, I mean, that they were trying to put it into the language that people spoke. Uh, now, for those of us who've grown up with the King James, and I'm in that, I'm in that group, I grew up with the, the King James. I mean, I, the Bible on my nightstand next to my bed is a King James Bible. It's a King James Bible my parents gave me when I graduated from high school. That's the Bible, you know, on my nightstand. I have a Bible right next to me here that was the ordination Bible that the, my, the church gave me when I was ordained into the ministry. It's a King James Bible. So don't hear me saying, you know, don't use the King James. I love the King James. But for those, you know, those, those who grew up with the King James, it's, it's, this is not an issue, you know, to say, well, you know, these words don't really mean the same thing anymore. I, you know, that's not an issue for you. You know, if you grew up with this, it's not even an issue. 
But for someone who's new to the Bible, let's say they're new to the faith or new to the Bible, to that, for that person, I would recommend a contemporary translation for that person. Um, I would recommend something like a CSB, NIV, um, even a New King James Version, you know, the, the NKJV, New King James, you know, even that for the person who's new to the Bible. Um, so, you know, what we're talking about here really, and even though I may have gotten off the track a little bit, is, you know, why are there so many different translations? And, and there's, is there one that's better than another? Well, there's another uh, reason for the, the multitude of translations, and that's because there are different approaches to translating the Bible. Different versions reflect different approaches. So broadly speaking, there's two approaches. And then there's, you know, broadly speaking, then there's a lot in the middle here. But <clears throat> on one extreme, you got a word-for-word -word translation, very literal translation. And on the other extreme, you got a, just a thought for thought. It's not trying that they're not trying to translate it word for word, but it's more of a thought for thought translation. So you got that spectrum there, and those two extremes, and every translation is going to fall somewhere on that line, that spectrum. So you've got the more literal word for word translations, which would be like a new New American Standard. E even the ESV falls you know, more towards that that side of, of a word for word. And then you've got the, the thought for thought translations, which would be something like a, the, the new living translation, more thought for thought. And then in the middle, you've got some translations that, that are, are accurate translations, that's accurate, faithful to the Greek and the Hebrew, but they're, they're, they try to be really readable. And that's the you know, Christian standard, you know, CSB, the NIV. They're faithful to the original languages, but they're also a little more readable than, than some of the more word for word ones. Um, so you, those are the reasons why we have a lot of different translations right there. I had a pastor one time, somebody asked him, what's the best Bible translation? And his response is, it's the one you're willing to read every day. Yeah. That's the best Bible translation. That is the best one. Now, it, you mentioned the best. Well, you know, are some, are some better than others? What's, what's the best? The question of, I, I think the question is, what translations, plural, would be best for you? To me, that's the question. Not just, what's the best translation, period. So uh, it's, it's okay. I think it's advisable. I think it's beneficial, helpful for us to have more than one translation. And I think, so I think the better question would be, which Bible translation is best for which purpose? So, so if you're reading larger portions of scripture, let's say, you know, in your Bible reading plan, you're reading this year, you're reading through the Bible in a year, you're reading through the Bible. Um, this year, you might choose a more thought for, you might choose the New Living Translation that's just really readable and thought for thought. That might be your translation this year for reading through the Bible. And next year, it might be a different translation. Uh, but when you, when you do a more of in-depth word for uh, verse by verse, word for word study, um, then I would recommend one of those translations that's more of a word-for-word -word translation, a little more literal translation. And do combination. Yeah. Using, using both. Uh-huh. Right. And, like, uh, and most of us have, we already have our preferred favorite version. We already know what that is. Uh, you know, it's the one that we use to read and study, memorize and carry with us. But it's still good to have to compare translations as you study a passage, a different translation or a less familiar translation will, 
it might speak to you in a, in a fresh way that it might, the verse might speak to you in a different way that hasn't spoken to you before as you're reading it in a different translation. Uh, whether you're studying a very familiar passage or maybe a more difficult passage, there is value. There is value in looking at more than one translation. That's, and that's my point here. The funny thing to me is when we look at, at least my experience has been, when I look at the various translations, I find out how close they really are. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's the, the uh, difference is less than I think that it, that it is. So it's important for me to keep that in mind. Yeah. Uh, when I'm looking at that. Any other tools that you would want to point to here? We've got a Bible dictionary, we'll study Bible, Bible dictionary, concordance, commentary, multiple translations, two, maybe three translations we, we can look at, one that's our primary, but a couple others that, that you know, one may be more on the dynamic side and one may be more on that, that uh, literal side, so that then we've got, we can go either way if ours is in the middle. There are any other tools that we would point to, Mike? No, I, you know, I don't, I hesitate to, you know, try to su suggest. A Bible handbook might be another. Well, Bible handbook. Yeah, that would no. be, even though most of the information you'd find there, you would, you would find in a, maybe in a study Bible, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I would think that, but yeah, Bible, hand, I mean, I've got Bible handbooks right here on my shelf. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I don't, I don't use them as often, but um, they're helpful. They give you a good, concise overview of, of, book by book through the bible and it brings out that brings out the main points the the the, con, the historical context and all that those those are very helpful you're right yeah, the thing i like about the handbook is typically they give you a summary mm -hmm. of sections of a bible book too instead of you know like in a study bible yeah you'll get a an overview of the whole book but in the in the handbook you're probably going to get an outline with an explanation for each part of the outline, which I find a little bit more helpful sometimes. Uh, if y'all have any questions or comments, feel free to email us. My name is Dwayne McCrary. You can email me at dwayne.mccrary at lifeway.com, D-W-A-Y-N-E dot M-C-C-R-E-R-Y at lifeway.com. Or you can email Mike Livingston at his email address, Mike, M-I-K-E dot Livingston, L-I-V-I-N-G-S-T-O-N-E at lifeway.com. We'll do our best to answer your questions or point you in a direction where you can get those answers. Thank you for listening to us today. Our next episode, we're going to be focusing on Bible genres and how different genres are interpreted through different lenses. Follow this podcast and that'll help you stay up so you don't miss any of the future podcasts and you'll know exactly what's going on with this podcast. Thank you for joining us and we look forward to visiting you in our next episode.